Praise the Lord, everybody. Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus this morning? Aren't you thankful for what it signifies in your life? I'm thankful this morning. I know y'all tired today. It feels like a tired morning, doesn't it? It's a little cold outside. It's a little chilly. It's not raining. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for it. It'll be snow soon. Everybody will be complaining about that. We were complaining because it was too hot, and now it's going to be too cold but it'll be all right. Amen. Y'all can be seated for just a moment. We have a couple things we're going to do here this morning. Um, I do have something I want to mention. If I could have a couple ushers come up, we're going to take up our class offering real quick this morning. Um, I think everybody knows that we're um, a part, Brother Zach specifically, is uh, kind of representing us for the Southside Neighborhood Association. And it's something that we've been wanting to get, or I've been thinking about for a long time. Um, and they are taking up donations for candy canes. I know it sounds like it's something simple, but I think anything that we can do to get our church's name in there, in with the community. We're going to talk about community a little bit this morning, too. Anything we can do so they know that we're here and that we love them and about the God we serve, I think it's a good thing. So if you... Want to buy some candy canes and drop them off? We're going to be taking them up to Brother Zach December 1st. December 1st is the cutoff for that. That's my pitch. Amen. Let's pray over our offering today. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, to be together today, God, this morning in your presence. God, I pray that you bless this offering. Multiply it. Use it for your will, God, and for your glory. God, I pray that you touch every part of this service today. Have your way today, God. We love you, and we thank you for it. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen and amen. You guys go ahead and go out. Any kind of candy cane you want to get. If you want to mess with the kids, get the habanero ones. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that to them kids. I know some of y'all would do it. Bear with me just a minute. Well, praise God. Does anybody know what today is? 
This is the adult class. We can say the word. It's Halloween, y'all. You know, it was, I I slept good last night. I slept good last night. And I woke up this morning, and I know that a lot of us have heard different things about Halloween. We all know about the, you know, our kids wanting to go get candy and them dressing up cute, and they all look cute. But we all know about the, the stuff, where it came from, right? We've heard about that. We're not ignorant to that stuff. And we also know that a lot of that stuff still happens. It does. It happens, and it happens on today. And God just impressed it in my spirit. This isn't, this isn't what we're talking about in our class today, but God impressed it in my spirit that just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it's not happening. I know it's early for this, and I'm tired too. I slept good, but let me get it to you. Just because you don't see it, and just because you know God loves you and you're safe where you are, that doesn't mean that those things still aren't happening in this world. And they're happening today. So the reason why we do the thing that we do today that we're going to talk about is because of those things that are still happening. And if you, if you take time, I'm not going to say if you have time, because I promise you, you have time. We all have the same amount of time. It's how we utilize that time. Are y'all getting mad at me yet? Am I preaching at you yet? If we take the time, if we don't do one of the other billions of things that we got to do that's going to be all right anyway if it waits till tomorrow, if you take a little bit of time today, pray for the things that happen today. Pray that God will intervene in them. I, I believe that if we pray for things, God will act on those things. I got three people that believe with me what I'm saying. Truthfully. Take a little bit of time and pray today. There are some, there are some bad things that happen today. And I'm not saying God can control every single one of them. But we got to rise up as the church. We got to be what we've been called to be, right? Amen. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Go with me to Luke 22 this morning. Luke chapter 22. We're going to read verses 14 through 20. When you get there, say amen. If you're still looking, say wait. I see a couple people. Everybody good now? Luke 22, 14 through 20. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. This morning, for our Sunday school class, we're going to talk about communion with a subtitle of Remember Me. Remember Me. You may be seated this morning. 
When we read this passage, I don't know about you, but it gives me all the feels. Everywhere that I can have the feels, I get the feels. It just, it's Jesus talking to his disciples, and we know what's coming. The words that he says, the things that he does, we emulate in our own lives, don't we? When we, we pray before we eat, there's so many things that he's doing here. And I might be jumping out on a limb here, but we all know that Jesus was God and man, right? It was God in man. And we know a lot of the things that he did, we can tell that was God. Straight up, that was God doing them miracles because only God can do those things. But in this, this feels a little bit more like the man part of Jesus, doesn't it? It's that part realizing, saying, I realize all these things that I need to do, but I'm still a man. And this man, this part of it, has to go through those things, even though the God part's fine and it knows it needs to be done and it's okay with it. This man piece still has to go through that. And this fleshly piece isn't okay with it. You know, we, we have those things in our lives too, don't we? We have those things because Jesus is inside of me. And I know that there's certain things that I got to do because of that. And that Jesus part in me will go, go, just get it, just get it, just get it done. But the flesh part in me goes, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't feel like doing that. And it's a struggle. So we're talking about communion this morning. So I looked up the definition of communion. And it's fellowship, association, community, joint participation. The second one is the share which one has in anything or participation. For all of us, I would say pretty much in here today, there may be a few that haven't been through communion, you know, more than maybe once or twice in their life. But for those of us in here today, we have a lot of thoughts and feelings that surround communion, don't we? We know kind of how things roll during a communion service or when we take it. We know that there's a different atmosphere in the building. It feels a lot like this morning. Actually, y'all need to wake up. <laughs> it's, a, it's somber, isn't it? And it's because of the thing that we're talking about. But we're, we're going to get into that more, but it has, it has a whole different feel. You know, there are many different frequencies and thoughts surrounding the practice, depending on who you talk to. And, but when you boil it down, the base elements, the definition serves it pretty well, doesn't it? Communion shows your association with something. It shows a common interest, a common goal. It shows your particip participation or your buy-in to that thing or to the outcome of the thing that you're doing. That's communion. It's no coincidence that the words, all of the words here have a similar tone to them. Communion, common, community, communication, commonality, and I threw another one in there, commission. Because without the proper communion, we're not going to be able to have the great commission, are we? Is it too deep for y'all this morning? It's going to be all right, I promise. We're going to dig. We're going to dig into it a little bit. Dig into that feeling, that idea, the spirit, and the thought behind communion. So the first communion, what was the setting? It was Passover in Jerusalem. I hope you guys can hear me today because this is so important. I told my, I told my wife, y'all know that, that I'm just me, right? I can't be nobody else. I'm just me. 
And people are like, you know, I've heard people say a lot of times, well, you, you shouldn't be so transparent. You got to watch out being transparent. You know what? I want to be transparent enough to where you can see right through me and you can see Jesus. And if it takes me making a fool out of myself, so be it. I want you to see who he is. Passover in Jerusalem. Man, if y'all, if y'all get this, Passover was the feast to commemorate the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. We know what Egypt stands for, don't we? It stands for sin in the Bible. That's pretty, pretty common. It was customary, they called it the Paschal Lamb, to be sacrificed during this feast. This lamb represented the Lamb of God, ordered each house to sacrifice. Y'all remember when the angel of death passed over and they killed the lamb and sprinkled the blood on the doorposts? That's what Passover... Hey, it's passing over. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's easy to remember because it's when the angel of death passed over. They had this to commemorate that. So they would sacrifice a lamb during this feast. And I know some of y'all have heard this before, but anytime I stop and think about it and read this and realize what God did back then was just a type and shadow of the thing that he was going to do. When you think about thousands of years, time is nothing for God. And you think about him setting these things in place. Can I get a little further back? When you think about him creating man, knowing he was going to mess up and having the plan after he messed up during the old law, during the Old Testament, when those things needed to happen. And then he was going to say, no, no, but wait. Wait just a little bit longer, and then I'm going to type and shadow that bad boy so the people in 2021 that's reading this, if they take time to read it and to understand who I am, they're going to be able to connect these dots all the way back and see that no matter how messed up this thing looks, I got this. He's got it all. He's got it figured out. Nothing confuses or takes Jesus by surprise. Nothing does. I'm teaching this morning. I'm not I mean, I felt this. The components, the components of communion. Mark 14, we're going to read three verses here, 22 through 25. It says, And they did eat. Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink in the new kingdom of God. Now when we read this scripture, we read it very plainly. He explains it to us, doesn't he? The bread represents his body, which was blessed and then broken. We see the same symbolism in John 6 where he states, I am the bread of life. Jesus was also born in Bethlehem. Y'all know that? I got, I, this is the adult class. Y'all better know where Jesus came from. You know what Bethlehem means in Hebrew? The house of bread. And I know a lot of people will see these things and they look at them as a coincidence, but I don't. I don't believe that anything that God said or God did or anything that's in the Bible is there by happenstance or by choice. I also want to say all you keto people read the Bible the house of bread. It's the house of plenty. Bread is good. Bread is good. Thank you, Jesus, for bread. 
The wine or the juice, which represents the blood of the New Testament. The second piece is very important in that statement of the New Testament. Heralds back to what they already knew. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Again, Jesus is God. Amen? He set up the law. He knew exactly what it would take to fulfill that law. He said nothing is going to be able to be purged without the shedding of blood. Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. When he knew that a blood sacrifice was required for all sin, all hatred, all rebellion, and every evil thing that required a covering under the old law or the Old Testament. This act, this symbolic breaking of bread and flowing of wine signified the passing of the old into the new. The fulfillment of the dispensation of the law and entering into the dispensation of grace. This was a landmark event for the whole world. I mean, everybody. We know that the bread would have been unleavened bread. They call it matzah. If you look in 1 Corinthians 5 and 8, I'm not, I'm not going to go through all of these. If you, if you look up leavening in the Bible, it's going to tell you something about what leavening represents. It represents sin. That's what we use. You can, as far as the blood is concerned, that piece of it, many will say that it was wine. Some will say that it was, it was just juice. It says the fruit of the vine. I know that it's, it's a debatable fact. And can I tell you that any time that you have a debatable fact in the Bible, truly, I'm, I'm not a debater and I hate it. I hate debating with people, especially over the Bible. God's word is, it says, it's of no private interpretation. We shouldn't have to debate over things. We should meet together in commonality, figure out what God's word is actually saying if there's something like that, and then go on and be joyful about it. People argue about stuff that should never be argued about. But I can tell you, if you read the Bible, if you look at the entirety of the Bible over a debatable fact that's in there, 1 Corinthians tells us, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So if there's something that is rotten, can I just call it what it is this morning? If there's something that is rotten, why would we put that into our body? Something that could harm our body, why would we put that in? We'll preach against a, we preach against a lot of things, don't we? More often than not, we're known for the things that we don't allow as opposed to the things that we do. The things that we're against as opposed to the things we're for. God's for so many things. He just doesn't want you to hurt yourself. You know, pretty much everything in the Bible that he tells you not to do is just what, if you think about it, is like a normal life where you're not hurting other people and you're not hurting yourself. You're just walking through helping people. It's crazy when you boil it down. It becomes so simple. And that's why also we do have a lot of good people in this world, but they still don't know Jesus. I've met people that have, have not been in church and don't go to church, and they've been nicer to me than people that are in church. 
and are supposed to be somebody. So just because you're doing them things, that doesn't mean you're right with God. Who should take it? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. You know, I will say I'm so thankful for the Corinthians. I am so thankful for the Corinthians because everything they messed up, they messed up so we don't have to. <laughs> we got the books in place where we don't have to figure this stuff out. Paul wrote to him and said, no, no, don't do that. I'm thankful for him. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six 26 through 34. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We usually stop there, but I'm not going to. Verse 30. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Oh, 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye may come not together unto condemnation, and to the and the rest will I set in order when I come. He said, if we, would, if we would look on ourselves, can I tell somebody this morning, if we'd stop worrying about everybody else, not just in communion, but just in life, if we'd stop worrying about everybody else and just focus on that beam that's in our own eye, I love you, and I will pray for you, and I will help you however I can. But you know what? I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to gossip about that. I'm going to leave your problems. Unless you invite me in to help you with them, I will gladly. I'll pray for you. But I'm not going to be pointing out to everybody what, what Pastor West did. That's between him and God. You know I don't. Lord, touch me. Help me today, Jesus. You know I don't have to be here. I don't have to be here. I'm here because I love God. And when you do that to somebody else, do you realize that that makes them, that, it just makes it so difficult for them to be able to get to God? You know that churches break, churches split, things happen because of that kind of junk. When the Bible tells us specifically, worry about the beam that's in your own eye before you start trying to cast something out of something small out of somebody else's. Do you know what that person's been through? Do you know what that person's been through in their life that's led them down the road to where they are right now? Do you know how much stuff that Jesus has helped them overcome to get to that place? And do you know when you start talking about stuff, you could mess every single bit of that up. The Bible talks about the tongue, too. Worry about yourself. <laughs> to put it simply, let's worry about ourselves. We reflect inwardly. Nobody knows the dirt and the junk in my heart and in my life and the stuff that the devil's tried to put in my mind better than me. Because you know what? I'm not going to go around broadcasting it. Do you know who it affects the most? Me. Because every doubt, all that worry, all that junk that he throws in, 
and said, oh, you're thinking, no, you're thinking about that. I rebuke you, devil, get away from me. But that thought was still there, wasn't it? That thing that you, that you hold in your heart that you're worried about, that's still there. And you know he's going to use somebody. Let the person worry about it. They know all of it far better than you ever would. None of this is in my notes. I'm getting back. Judge yourselves. That's all I'm saying this morning. God bless it. Let's judge ourselves. Let's look inwardly and worry about what we're doing. And let's get right with God. If somebody else don't want to do it, then let them go. Let them do whatever they got to do. The Bible even says, as for me and my house, y'all can do whatever y'all going to do. But as for me and mine, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve the Lord. I done been through too much. I done been through too much to turn back and to go back to what I was. I know what's back there. It's the same junk. Ain't nothing different. I done come too far. I done come too far. Thank you, Jesus. We hear the warnings of Paul in the scripture, which leads us to look deeper into what, who should partake in communion. Every communion service, there's that little, we read this scripture, don't we? And then we start worrying about ourselves. Or is that just me? I worry, every time I worry about myself, I'm like, God, should I be doing this? I've been doing this thing since I was little, and I still, I still think about it. I'm like, should I be doing this? Because I don't want to do anything that would make God unhappy or sad or anything like that. And that's the point. Look inwardly. Take a look at your heart and say, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? It's a good time. If nothing else, this is a great time to reset what you're thinking. It's a time to reset what you're doing. I want, you to, I want you to look at this and realize we, we know that, that Jesus affected so many people in his life, in his ministry. More people than we would probably ever hope to affect in our lives, right? And it was only a few short years. He met thousands upon thousands of people. Healing, delivering, we all know those stories well. We preach about them, we sing about them, all the good stuff. And yet this was something different. There weren't thousands at this point. There weren't even hundreds. There were 12. There were 12 with Jesus right, right at this point in his life. The same 12 that walked the endless miles with him. The same 12 that struggled, hungered, and found themselves in countless desperate situations together. This wasn't a miracle scenario, y'all. This was something, it was intimate. Somebody penned it this way. Jesus fed 5,000, but only 500 followed him after lunch. He had 12 disciples, but only three went further in the garden. And only one of them stood with him at the cross. The closer that you get to the cross, the smaller your crowd becomes. Can you see that in your own life? Oh, I can. I used to have all kinds of friends. Friends. As I continue to draw closer to God and what he, I feel like he's called me to do, guess what? People started going away. It's amazing how people can just, when you're not paying for drinks, when you're not out on Saturdays doing what they want to do, when your mindset's changed, people leave. And you know what? That's okay. It's more than okay. That's great. Because if you try to hold on to those same people, guess what? You're never going to get where God's called you to be. 
think I got time for all this. Uh, John 6, we're going to try. John 6, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Oh, man. If you're taking notes, take that one down. They took manna and are dead. I gave them a blessing that was for a day. And guess what? They're dead now. That's it. If you live in this thing for the blessing, you're going to be dead in the end. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's for. You can see the blessings of God, but until you get into the bread of it, until you get into the sustain, until you get them carbs in your system, Oh, Lord, man, that hit me between the eyes. I blessed them. I gave them exactly what they needed per day in the wilderness. They were there, but guess what? They're dead now. You can, get, you can jump and jive and run the aisles and everything else you want. That blessing's not going to sustain you. That's why we got firecracker people that pop up. Hallelujah, Jesus. They're here for two weeks, and then they're gone, and you never see them again. They got a little bit of manna to hold them. We got to get out of that manna mindset. We do. We talked about it for so long. There's so much empty in here. You know what? Get out of the manna mindset. Get you some bread. Get you something that's going to sustain you, that's going to hold you. You might not get blessed. You might not get blessed today. You might not. You might not want to run, jump, or shout today. But you know what? You've got that bread that will sustain you through. And even if you got to, Lord forbid, you got to go out and help somebody else. If somebody hits you on Wednesday before service and, man, you're just feeling tired, guess what? you're still going to have enough to sustain you. You're still going to be able to to talk to God and tell that person what they need to hear. You're going to be able to do what God's called you to do, even if you didn't jump and jive and wail at church on Sunday. We need something that's going to sustain us. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of that bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Ain't that like us? Dummy. How am I going to do that? We're going to skip down to 66. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye go away also? Then Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, Lord, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life. This wasn't a multitude experience. This wasn't a public figure in the public. This was an intimate occasion. It was personal. Those that sat with Jesus at this time, for better or for worse, knew what was coming. And I'm sure many of us have realized that what Jesus already knew. You will find out who really has your back during the hard times. You may know lots and lots of people. You may have tons of Facebook friends, but guess what? When times get rough, then people ain't going to be there. You can have thousands of people that are supposedly in your corner, but when stuff goes down, can I tell you, when things go down, when you make a mistake, that shows you where people really are. That shows you the love of God that's in that person's life. Anybody can shun somebody when they mess up. That's easy to do. Oh, don't want to deal with you. What would Jesus have done? It ain't about the little bracelet thing. It's about truly what would he have done? 
What did Jesus do in his life? He forgave people. He sat with sinners because the, he knew that those were the ones that needed it. He didn't hang out in the fancy buildings in the synagogues debating things. Why would God debate things? He wrote them. He made them. We should be... He's our example. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we're supposed to get. I'm not going to debate with you. I've got a direct line to the one that wrote this stuff. Oh, Jesus, help me today, Lord. It's an intimate experience. That's why Paul, when he warns us about taking communion lightly, there are so many people that are along for the ride, for the experience, for the highlights. But Paul recognized just what it was. It was an intimate time with those closest to him before the greatest struggle of his life. Jesus didn't want those just looking for blessings around him at this time. He wanted those that truly understood who he was and in what he was about to endure. This wasn't something to eat and fill up on either. This was an experience that symbolized the closeness of those he partook with. I know it sounds funny, but if we let things go, just like the Corinthians did, they would go to communion to eat, to fill up on bread and wine or juice, whatever it may have been. And we think that's funny now because we know that that's not the purpose of it. But left unchecked, and that's where all this is going to get to, but left unchecked, that's where we as the human race go to, don't we? We go to the extreme of whatever the thing is. Whatever we latch onto, we'll go to the extreme of it. And he's saying, they again, thankful for the Corinthians. They ran into all this stuff so we didn't have to if we'll learn from others' mistakes. What it represents, 2 Corinthians, we're going to go through this very quickly. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to skip all of it, but 21 says, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is one that we read and hear, but we don't think about. He became sin. It wasn't just a guilty verdict for an innocent person. He became, became it. All of the sin in the world, every horrible thing that's ever happened, he became that. Who knew no sin? There was no guilt. There was no fault. That's why... When you're doing it right, you see people bawling because they realize what he did for them. You realize the stuff that he took on that he didn't have to take on, and he took it on because you can't take it on. We couldn't deal with what he dealt with. It's just not possible. A lot of us would say, oh, I'd do it if, if somebody gave me the opportunity. That's great. I would die for my family, but you know what? I can't cover my family's sins. I'm not good enough. Straight up, I'm not good enough. He was the only one that was good enough to be able to take all of it on for all of us. He became sin. We continue communion for a very simple reason, to remember. Jesus even states this during the original communion. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Jesus, in the short span of time before he would be, have been ridiculed, mocked, beaten, and ultimately die for each of us, he simply said, remember me to those closest to him. Remember what I'm about to do. Not because of what it will be, not because of the pain or the suffering, but more importantly, because of why I'm doing it. Remember that I love you. Why we continue to take communion is to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for each of us, for that love that he has for us. It's not just a ceremony that we perform, but it's a time to remember. It's a time to reflect and to be thankful for what God has done for us. We have become just like the apostles. Do you realize that? Man, it's, y'all don't, I don't think y'all get it yet. You, when you take communion with God and you do it right, you're sharing the most intimate time that God had, that Jesus had with the people that followed him with his life here on this earth. It's that deep. There were thousands when, he, when miracles were done, when he was feeding people, when he was healing. They weren't there when this happened. Only the closest of the close were there with him during this time. And we're doing this same thing because we're saying, I feel that same way. This is more than just something I come and do on a Sunday or a Wednesday. This is, just, this is more than something I just do so I can come up here and talk behind this thing. There's more to it. It's, it's reached into every part of my life, and I understand now. I understand what you did and what you're still doing, and I want to partake in that because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what you did for me. We can say even more than that, we know we are the sons and daughters of God. If we're doing this thing right, we're mirroring Jesus in our daily lives. That means we'll too be blessed. We will too be broken. And we will be ridiculed for what we believe. Again, knowing all of this, Jesus simply states, remember me. You know, it's so easy to live in our daily struggles, isn't it? It's so easy to just look inwardly, be focused on all the junk that's happening in our lives. God knows everything, y'all. He knows that you're going you're gonna to be run down and stuff's going to happen, and you're not going to be able to see outside of your little bubble, outside of your little bubble of mess. And that's why he said, remember me. Remember me because I did it first. Remember me because I did it for you. And if I can do it for you, you can do it for another. I got to hurry. I got to press on. We think of the 9-11 attacks and we, we remember never forget, don't we? Never forget. I've seen so much on Facebook, people, you know, people trying to, to revamp it because it's gone away. It has. It's, it's already gone away some. People are starting to forget what happened. And whether the thing that they're rallying around is right or not, we forget, don't we? We let things slide. Whether we mean to or not, some things over time and with enough stuff in between, we'll forget it. Do you realize, oh man, I don't have time. Do you realize that 
the Bible, there were books that were written during the same time as the Bible that were lost completely, or there's one copy of it. There are so many copies of the Bible and pieces of the manuscripts from the Bible that they could put together to get the whole thing so they could cross-match it and make sure that every word was what it should be. That there's no denying what happened. There's no denying it. And we can get, you know, we can talk about the different translations and all that stuff, and that's all fine. And some people like some, and some people like the other. But it's no mistake that we have what we have, and we have it for a reason. God ensured, what I'm telling you today, is God ensured that we would remember what he did. It's no happenstance that we have the entire Bible laid out from back then to now. He set those things in place. For those that wanted to, they could get it. He wanted to make sure that we remembered. Because he created us, and he knows every fault that we have, and he knew that if we didn't remember, we'd let it go. Do you know how easy it is to wake up in the morning? Stand with me. I'm done. i got to be done. Do you know how easy it is to wake up in the morning and never pray? To never even think about God because of everything that you've got on your plate? We don't even have to try to let God go. We don't have to. We've got enough stuff going on in our lives where we could just go about our daily lives. And if we don't focus and try and push to put God into our lives, he won't be there. We hold communion, so we push to put God back in. We can come to church and never get anything. I hate to say it, but we can. I know I did it for years of my life. I came to church, and I just wasted time. Let's not do that. We don't have time. Can I just be honest and blunt with you this morning? We don't have time to come to church and do nothing and hope that God's going to do something. Or we don't have time for that manna mentality either. We need the bread. We need what's going to sustain us. Because I promise you, before too long, it's not going to be there anymore. He's coming back. And it's happening soon. They've said that since I was a little baby, and you know what? I used to think, man, that's just something preachers say to make you feel bad, make you go up there and cry. I thought that's why they did it. I thought that's why preachers did what they did, because they wanted people to come up to the front and cry. I'm like, man, he did a good job. They're all going up there. No, it's because we know that we know that we know. I know that he's coming back, and I know that it's never been closer. It's happening in our lifetime. If I had to bet anything, if it doesn't, I don't have to worry about it. I should be good. I pray to God I'm good. But you know what? I believe that it's going to happen in our lifetime. Things are happening too rapidly for it to be otherwise. Last thing, Charles Spurgeon said, My dear brethren, do not try to make the gospel tasteful to carnal minds. Hide not the offense of the cross, lest you make it of none effect. The angles and corner of the gospel are its strength. To pair them off is to deprive it of its power. Toning down is not the increase of strength, but the death of it. God help us when we try to make the cross a pretty thing. God help us. That transparent things that we talk about, you know what? We've been through some stuff. 
We've all been through some stuff. And I will not try to pare down or cover up the stuff that God saved me from because that only proves more how mighty he is. When we start trying to cover up the dirty, the nasty stuff that had to happen for you to have what you have today, we're lessening the gospel. That's why we remember. That's why we take communion is because we know the suffering that had to take place for the stuff that we did. Pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I love you. God, I thank you for the sacrifice, God, that you gave for each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would touch our church. God, I pray that you would continue, God, to lead and guide us. Help us, Heavenly Father, God, not to try to cover anything, Lord God, but to proudly, God, proclaim who you are, to proclaim, God, what you did for each and every one of us. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we pray that you'd have your way in the rest of this service today. And we ask it all in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. And the church said, amen and amen. Y'all can be released for just a little bit and come back. We're going to have service here again real shortly.